welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. How many of y'all glad he's the great I am? I'm going to be honest, I could, I, could just, I could just have a worship time for the rest of the time and just enjoy it. It's been a blessing. Um, so let's, let's, let's pray. Um, this is the last, before the last sermon on a deconstruction that I'll be doing next week. But I wanted to have a panel, a small panel, and us to engage some things that I think are very, very important in light of what we've talked about. Let's go before the Lord. Lord God Almighty. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And I thank you for the opportunity to stand. Um, There's not a lot of that going on today. Teach us how to stand. Uh, Teach us how to say uh, that we're here to the end. Uh, Teach us to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Teach, Teach us to have a generation that's that's not wilding God. Uh, but a generation that says, you know, I, I get what you feel, but God is real. Jesus is real. And God's word has power. And Lord God, I pray that you would raise up in generations, which you always do. I mean, everybody despairs, every generation, about some systemic issue. But <laughs> since the dawn of covenant-keeping God, with having a relationship with people you've never lacked in a remnant. You've never lacked in those who kept, even when Cain killed Abel, when Seth was born, it says that men began to call upon the name of the Lord again. Lord God, if it just starts with a few, just saying the name of Jesus, keeping the legacy of your name here, God, we know that all things are possible through him who believes. So Lord, bless this time. Help it to be fruitful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. Um, He who endures to the end shall be saved. Not that I've gotten there yet, but I press towards the mark of the goal of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. After you've done everything to stand, having stood Put on the full armor of God in order that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Redeem the times for the days are. I could go on and on. Why are those verses given? Why? Because he knows that there will be seasons and times where God's people will be tempted to give up. He knows that. Why would he say be steadfast, immovable? Because something's trying to move you. (laughs) and always abounding in God's work knowing that your work in the Lord won't be in vain and so I wanted to do a panel we have our very own Dr. Sweet Alana let's give God praise for her always very insightful always very insightful and we got our very own Kevin Lockett up here with us we're going to nickname him the Quiet Stone 
I mean, he, he Philly swag today. He got his shape up. He got his beard. I see you. Jean jacket. I see you, Cam. I see you. Cam looking real Philly today. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I like, I want to Kev here because, you know, it's quiet, but Kev got good insights. And, um, and um, you know, I know he's been doing some stuff online lately. And I'm liking that. Keep that going, man. Your, your social commentary from, from, a, from a God perspective. So I wanted to do some discussions with some folk around the issues of deconstructing. Um, and I got some cars. They're making me look real professional today. You know, um, like I'm uh, 106 in Park back in the day or something. You know, the Arsenio Hall show. You understand what I'm saying? You know, remember Queen Latifah had her little show? Y'all don't even remember that. Y'all too young. You remember that. But, um, um, but remember, deconstructing, uh, deconstructing, we've been talking about it. And the reason why we've been talking about it is because of what's going on in the culture. Deconstruction uh, is the act of reevaluating your core beliefs. And a lot of that is going on now. And so, I, 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 before I even get into these, um, what do you all feel like is going on? We'll start with you, Dr. Sarita. What do you, if you could just kind of give a big 30,000 foot picture of what you think is going on surrounding this issue of deconstructing, why it's happening. I mean, it's not that it's new, but it seems to be like a massive, massive deconstruction movement. What have been your thoughts and reflections on it, if you will? Yeah, I'm going to try to go real high up yeah. with the view. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, I see it as another form of spiritual warfare. I believe it is uh, the reason why Jesus told Cephas, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, is because the gates of hell will always be trying to prevail against the church. Yeah. And I do believe that... Um, what is happening during this season, I would say, is maybe not so much changing people as much as it is revealing where people already are. Yeah. And so I think what we are experiencing is kind of the pulling back of the veil where um, sometimes people have the ability to appear stronger mm -hmm. because we often have put a lot of emphasis on church attendance. But people can attend the church and be spiritually malnourished saints. Kev, as a millennial, you are, you are an actual millennial. How, how's this for you? I know I, we talked about this. You said I don't consider myself. Anyway, what's your take? What's your take on what you feel like is going on in your generation? I think what Dr. Sarita said is, is right on point. Uh, there's a revealing of truth. Um, I know, you know, for me, uh, Growing up, being in middle school and high school in the early 2000s, um, we think about our generation as not churched or not churchy, but um, growing up in a black church in a white <coughs> high school, um, interacting with lots of different people from different backgrounds, a lot of those people had some type of connection to church. They went to church every week. They went to church for Christmas and Easter. Um, a lot of people identified culturally as Christian, um, but I think what's happening now is people are their, their beliefs are being put to the test, and there's a lot of people who we believe to be in the faith who weren't, and it's just being revealed. Um, so for me, it's incredibly frustrating, but it's not something to freak out about, because to me, 
being honest about where you are is a lot better than putting on a veneer that makes everybody comfortable. That's good, that's good. So in light of that, Kev, what would you say, how, how do you see bad deconstructing? How do you view it? Uh, meaning what causes it or? Mm -mm, the, you know, the, um, we talked about in a series, yeah, let me set that up for you, I, I think that would help. Um, you know, we talked about good deconstructing, which is in reevaluating your core beliefs to see, like you said, people grew up in the church, and then they're like, do I believe this? And then they said, let me evaluate. And then they said, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm down with Jesus. Then on the other hand, you may see others, whether through meme culture, whether through YouTube channels, whatever, right? They end up saying, see, I knew there was something wrong with this, walked away. So in light of that, um, how do you see bad deconstruction? How do, you, how do you see it? How do you view it? And how do you assess it? So uh, I think what you said with meme culture is a big part of it. I see it a lot on social media. Um, I see it a lot um, even, even in just conversations about how people are processing uh -huh. what they're thinking through. Um, one of the things that, that bothers me is that uh, a lot of times when people are deconstructing um, and they have a legitimate question, a legitimate concern, um, and they're working through it trying to understand what's true, but the, um, the methods that they're using to work through it, the framework, um, even for people who have church background is not necessarily healthy. A lot of times we, um, we have a question um, that we're trying to get answers to. Maybe we, we still consider ourselves in the faith and so we're trying to have, find a biblical answer, but the way that we're looking at scripture, the way we're interpreting scripture, the way we're holding that question up against scripture isn't really healthy. Um, and so, and then of course, you know, then we go and we, well, I saw a meme somewhere that said this, or I heard, you know, right. somebody that said that, and right. it's like, but that's not, you, you, we all know, like, if you were, if you were a junior in high school, your teacher would not let you get away with that thin level of research. So, you know, we gotta, we gotta step it up a level. Come on, Kev. <laughs> Dr. Sarita, same question. Uh, how, do, um, we, how do you see bad deconstruction? How it's happening, particularly, you know, as a, as a psychotherapist, you know, and what you deal with in the mind with people. Uh, what do you think is going on and how do you view it? Okay, so one thing I think is happening is we are in a different generation that responds to even its elders differently. So if I could just set this up, it'll make sense. I think we are living in a time where there's a we are in a low honor generation. And so elders don't get the same respect as they used to. Parents don't get the same respect as they used to. Teachers don't get the same respect as they used to. People who are actually experts in fields who have trained and gotten degrees and study, they don't get the same respect. And so what that also means is it bleeds into the church. Pastors don't get the same respect and leaders in the church don't get the same respect. And so what that has done is we see a shift from a culture in the past where people gave people respect even if they didn't agree with them. And so what you're seeing now is a culture that will no longer tolerate the, the answers to their questions being just hold on to God's unchanging hand. Just believe by faith. And so back then, if people had biblical theological questions and they were met with that kind of 
you know, faith-based answer for a fact-based question, as Pastor Jerome often says. People would just go with it, but this generation has questions and it, and it wants answers, and some of the, um, the lack of assumed honor that people would automatically get because that is lessened, the level of challenge is more present. But I believe there's a good, there's an upside to that because it's forced the church to answer questions. And so what I think bad deconstruction is, is one, when there is not a place to go where you can actually get real biblical answers for your questions. I think bad deconstruction is when you leave God and leave the Bible to begin your pursuit of God. And now that we live in a generation that has so much access to information, even bad information, people are building or constructing their faith outside of God, outside of the church, outside of the world, then looking at the church with disappointment because they could not answer their question. Yeah, in light of what you said, because this is, is great insight, what both of y'all are saying, um, what, talk to me about, because I, I think this can play into it, uh, influencer culture, right? So, I mean, and I'm not hating on anybody that uses a, you know, social media platform and that type of thing, but I do, to your point, see influencer and kind of, I see people, like they say, I'm an inf they'll have influencer in their deal and they'll have life coach, um, and people, they'll have like a, like a little following, you know, there'll be smaller platforms, then there'll be massive ones, where people want to hear their thoughts on a particular thing. What, um, what are your thoughts for Christians who long for insight from people n not only that aren't trained to give original source insight, but also don't have the same worldview? Um, what, what, and, and, and how do you think that plays into deconstruction as well? I, I, first of all, I would just say just stop. <laughs> just stop. Um, and I say that as a millennial. I'm not some older person who doesn't understand our generation and our culture. Um, we need to, I, it's just foolishness. And I say that respectfully because I know it impacts all of us. I'm not immune to it. But um, the idea that there's been a Christian faith for 2,000 years and there's been, I don't know how many billions of hours spent in study and research and in, in dealing with the issues that people have questions about. There, there's things that people are questioning about the faith that were questioned 1,500, 1,600, 1,800 years ago. Um, so the idea that I've gotta go to somebody who's not a Christian, who doesn't believe what I believe, who had, who, who, who's talking about a book they haven't read, who's talking about people they've never engaged with, and I'm gonna to go to them to get them to help me understand a faith. Like, and, and, and yes, like there is cultural contextualization. Um, why, would you, why would you not take advantage of what the work that has already been done? Add that to the culture and the contextualization so that you can apply it. So, I mean, I think one of the things is, we all heard this phrase, even a broken clock is right twice a day. 
And I do think one of the issues we're encountering is the, the devil is very cunning. He, he knows what he's doing. And I think there is a little bit of truth mixed in with a whole lot of lies and a whole lot of mess. And when we as a body, when we as Christians don't know the word of God, we don't have any wisdom, so we don't know how to apply the word of God because we don't know the word, so you don't have anything to apply. And then you also need to know the word of God so you can discern rightly, right? Discern means to cut, to separate truth from a lie. Um, it is hard to sometimes see how something that was posted on Monday that was true and something that's posted on Thursday that's not true, that that now, that person who is communicating with you is now a threat to your spiritual development. I also think we live in a culture where the enemy is not coming first or directly always with theology or being antagonistic against the church. Sometimes he's also veiled as a Christian. So people really think they're getting information from believers and pastors and apostles and prophets and all those kind of things. And people are often not looking for God or the word of God just to adore and be in awe of God, just to be transformed by God. People are often looking for information for self-improvement. And so if people really want to be a boss and somebody is really preaching to your, your selfish ambition and throw a scripture on there, it feels like good theology. If people want to be in relationships and they, are, they hashtag relationship goals on all of their posts, if your real ambitions, if your real desires are really beyond or different than God, you don't really know even what's driving you. And so people can mix in information based on our various passions, right? And so, I mean, I want, I, if I can just point this out, in the um, second chapter, second book of Timothy, chapter three, it talks about be careful of people who worm their way into the church, talking about false teachers, false prophets, those kinds of things. And it said, many of them, and you know, I lead women, so I'm gonna specifically speak to women, but it can apply to all of us, it said, and they take captive gullible women. The King James Version says silly women who are, who are carried away by diverse passions and are overwhelmed by sins, right? And so people, so when we are not dealing with our sin issues, when we aren't aware of what our, our, our various passions are, then people with no biblical truth are really coming and preaching to and speaking to our passions that aren't even about God, but about what we want for our own lives and our burdensome life of sin, unrepentant sin makes us deaf, dumb, blind, and stupid because when you are overwhelmed by sin, you don't think right. You, don't, you, you trust your belly, you are led by your feelings and not the word of God. Those are the people, those gullible, silly women, those are the types of people, even it can apply to men too, but I'm staying in the book. Those are the people that are vulnerable to being carried away. Yeah, and what's interesting is the Patreon culture now where these same people that don't really know anything, you're paying for their nothing. <laughs> like, so I'm just kind of like, because I didn't know what in the world Patreon was, you know. I was like, what's Patreon? And, 
you know, so you go in this, you know, whatever your situation go in, you paying for more ignorance. But they so, think they tithe. Yeah. Watch it now. Watch it now. <laughs> Sowing a seed. I know, right? So, so, so check this out, and then we'll get on the on the positive side of things. So, uh, why do you why do we think the pandemic plays such a heavy role in it? Because I, I mean, it's something happened. Like I don't know what happened during. I don't know what was happening during the pandemic. I don't know if we was on our device. What, what do y'all think happened that really this significant spiritual? I'll say spiritual shift began to happen. So I think it's. It, it's things that were already simmering underneath the surface. Um, I, can, I, can, I can look back to being in high school um, and see that some of what's happening now was gonna happen at some point. I think what the pandemic did is it put people in isolation. And I think sometimes we forget that community is a part of God's work of sanctifying us. Um, I know as, a, as an introvert, I, I particularly feel that. Um, but I can just think, like, this week, um, um, me and Pastor Vern and Pastor Kurt were in the, in the meeting room upstairs, and it was, just, it was just so refreshing to have, like, a two-minute conversation about scripture. Um, I saw something else, and I sent a link to um, my, my cousin. He's younger than me, but I tell him I look up to him as a role model, um, and, and, a, and a good friend of mine, just to say, like, what do you think about this? And I think, I think we forget that that is part of how God kind of keeps us from going off the, off the rails. Um, and so when the pandemic happened, um, it just put, and, and you have, you're working from home or you're not working, you have all this free time on your hands. So now there's this opportunity to go seek out information, maybe not from good sources, and to not have a community around you to help make sure that you're, what you're seeing is really in line with scripture. I mean, you know, most of us are control freaks. We like to be in control, and not because we're jerks, but control creates a sense of safety and stability. And during the pandemic, we were all out of control. And I think even if we had a measure of endurance to hang in there and have hope for a better day, I think the pandemic was a lot longer, was a lot longer than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, I think the pandemic um, brought a lot of grief and loss and sickness. Um, I believe people had a lot of deferred dreams. People are hurting, yeah. were and are hurting. People lost money. I do believe that the pandemic destabilized us in a way that we didn't really um, anticipate. Um, our children suffered, marriages suffered. If you were struggling in your marriage before the pandemic and then you had to be isolated in the house with somebody, that thing got tight. <laughs> and, and if you were single and you didn't have anyone, you had to make hard choices about how you were going to represent Christ in a lonely place. And some people did very well, and some people didn't. And so I do think that um, God warns us in the scripture about the danger of being left alone. And then that goes into this whole issue of deconstructing. We're left alone with TV, Netflix, and YouTube, and porn, which skyrocketed during the pandemic. 
And so people were feeding themselves much more non-biblical information, even if it was to relax and take your mind off of it and to feel some sense of normalcy. Um, and everything people engaged in wasn't always sinful, but it just wasn't always life-giving. And I just think that had a detrimental effect over time. Personally, um, have you ever had a time where you went through a deconstruction of your faith? Well, you know my story. I mean, I'll just let you, I'll let you start. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, there we go. So, so yes, um, I think for me, it looked maybe a little bit different than for some people. I, did, I never went through, I was fortunate and blessed um, and graced by God that he saved me at a young age. And I never went through a period where I'm like, I don't think God is real, or I don't believe in Jesus. Um, I did go through, um, I would say, kind of like the, you have like pre-earthquakes before the big one, um, some many phases of, I don't understand what's happening in church. Um, I don't like things that are happening in church. Um, I don't like, I believe in Jesus. I believe that I need to obey him. I don't like the rules that he's imposed on me. That We call that phase middle school. Um, um, and then I think kind of it all came to a head um, in my late 20s. Um, and I really had to confront dealing with um, not do I believe in Jesus, am I a Christian, but what kind of a Christian am I? Yeah. And how do I reconcile not feeling like I fit in with the church environment that I came up in while still being grateful for all those people and how they love Jesus and how they loved me um, and really confronting what do I believe about what the Bible teaches. Um, that, was, that was a difficult, a really difficult um, period for me. Um, I think that it could have gone in a totally different direction. Yeah. It could have gone in a direction where I said, you know what, it's, it'd be easier for me not to do this Christianity thing, or it'd be easier for me to be a Christian but not be a part of a church. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm really grateful for Epiphany, because this became a, a, a safe place to land for me, yeah. where I didn't, have to, I didn't have to turn off my brain, but I also didn't have to turn off my blackness. Um, I think that's really, really important that um, for people who went through a deconstruction like I went through, where it was heavily about understanding theology and doctrine, um, that they don't feel like they have to make that choice um, because I don't think that's a choice that God calls us to make. So I know we're gonna talk a little bit later about like things that the church needs to do, but I think having that, having, having a place, have, y'all trying to tell me something? Having a place where, uh, where people can fully honor and glorify God um, with all of who he's created them to be, I think is really, really important for people who are deconstructing. Um, I'm gonna try to just share two things really quickly. And I normally talk about one, what happened to me in college, but I think, or later in college, but I think as I've processed my own life and um, some even traumatic things that have happened to me, I understand that how the enemy was setting me up to begin to question God 
probably started much sooner. So I've had a few experiences, and I'm sure some women can relate in different ways. But I think one of the things that started chipping away at my confidence in God is when the enemy was allowing my faith to be chipped away and my confidence in leadership in the church. And I've been in churches where um, someone on the pastor's team was trying to talk to me and they were married. Or I've been in churches where you go to a, a, a college, a young adult Bible study, the, the pastor calls, and I remember I couldn't believe that he asked me if I liked taking baths and wanted to take a bath with me. And so then, you know, and then being in church environments. <laughs> so, you know, and that's a lot to process. That's a lot to process. But here's the thing. A lot of women go through stuff like that. A lot of women, some women get sexually abused, some women get touched, but some women just get pursued in a very ungodly way that shakes your confidence in God because your confidence in the man of God was disturbed. And so then, so that was, I would say, was the beginning of me just being like, huh, feeling a little unsafe. Um, but then when I got to college, and what often happens is, a breakup with, you know how we are ladies, we date somebody and we think that's gonna be the one that we're gonna marry and when that thing falls apart and we pray we should be praising God that we broke up with that person, we have a hard time letting go but it messes with our mind in a way that leads, leads to vulnerabilities in other areas, well that was me. And the, and the bomb, instead of calling my parents and getting counsel, instead of having a healthy local church that I could attend when I was at college, I allowed the bomb, the counsel, to come from someone who wasn't even a believer. And over time, I slowly began, many of you know my story, I talk a little bit about it in chapter nine of Urban Apologetics, you should get the book. There's a video on Woke Church, do a plug, so you're not gonna get it all here today, but I, I wake up one day and you're like, I'm so far from the young lady who used to do the Christmas plays and the Easter plays and the person who was the star BB, VBS student and now I'm in an African spiritualism, I'm in, I'm in Egyptology, I'm doing comedic practices, I'm doing um, um, all kinds of uh, altar building and chanting and I was way out there y'all. I was way out there. And in the beginning, I started with syncretism because I had a Bible on the altar. <laughs> I was trying to blend my Christianity with things that were not of God. And slowly, I stopped going to church. I stopped participating in the, the gospel choir on campus. And before you know it now, every Saturday, Sunday, instead of being in church, I'm at a community center for African practices doing kundalini yoga. I'm putting, I'm making sacrifices and putting pound cake in the ocean. I mean, I was out there. And I remember when I came back from college after the Lord, by God's grace, delivered me. Because God sure enough delivered me. Amen. Even for me to be sitting here on the stage today to say anything about God is the work of God in my life. The prayers of my parents 
God snatching me out of the fire and walking me through a process where I had to discover I had never actually had properly constructed my faith, even though I was the VBS star. I went to college with the agenda to not get pregnant, not get on drugs, but I was not prepared for how the enemy would attack me. I didn't even know I didn't know the Bible. And I was not prepared for people to believe as strongly in what they believed and as I believed in what I believed and I was completely biblically illiterate. And I remember when I got back to the church, I was telling Pastor Mason the other day and I was so happy to share my testimony with the church. The church was almost like shocked to hear what I had gone through. I joke and say they would have rather said I was promiscuous. They would have rather said I was on drugs but to talk about seeing sacrifices and all of the African spiritualist things, because there is evil power. Oh no, I saw evil at work and it has its own power. But God in rescuing me, it was a slow process, but you can come out. I know there are people in the room and under the sound of my voice who have gotten mixed up in all kinds of things and have family members who have gotten mixed up in all kinds of things and you're praying for their deliverance. I am a living witness. God can turn that thing around. That God can snatch you up out. Like no one is ever too far gone. I used to be the one that came home from college and sat in church and would judge the preacher and judge the sermon. I was the one who was self-righteous. I was the one who was really wrong. And I thought my mom and dad had it wrong. Them old country bumpkin Christians, they didn't know the truth. That's how I sat in service. And God was patient with me. He didn't destroy me. And he had open arms and he waited for me. He wooed me. He put people in my life who had the courage to speak truth to me, even though I would curse them, even though I would reject them. So you keep preaching. You keep witnessing. You keep standing for truth. Stop being afraid to talk to your friends and your family because the word of God is alive and it is active and sharper than two-edged swords. And over time, God broke that thing in me. He broke it in me. And I had to repent and confess and thank God. And I'm here to declare the works of the Lord. I told God, whatever you want me to say, I'll say it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Because I've been on the other side and I'm back. And you can come back and so can your family. So in light of that, <laughs> so in light of that, because I think this is a good place you help us turn, sis. So what can the church do to get in front of this? Because I think the church is always behind. Um, I hear that from musicians. I hear that from creatives. Um, I hear it from people in the media aspect of things. But the church is always behind. It, it, I mean, there's some things we can afford to be behind in, but something like this we can't afford to be. What, what are some ways that you all would suggest that the church could get in front of deconstruction, of uh, people deconstructing their faith? So I, I, I think of deconstructing 
um, like cell phone repair, because I used to do cell phone repair um, for a little bit. Um, and so, um, and I recently switched to iPhone. And uh, so when I got my new phone. So you transferred from the kingdom of darkness hey, 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 hey. to the kingdom of light. Somebody ought to bless God right now. Hey. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the thing about iPhones is, iPhones, it seems like everybody's screen always cracked. So when I got it, I was like, I don't even want to leave the house until I got my screen protector and my case. Come on, Ken. So I think, Set it up. I think the first thing we got to do, first thing we got to do is not wait until people start deconstructing. Ah. Um, like Dr. Sarita said, a lot of, a lot of our young people, a lot of our people go away to college or go into the workforce, they leave youth ministry, and they've been in church for 18 years and they don't really have biblical literacy, they don't understand the gospel. Um, that's one of the reasons, again, why I'm grateful for Epiphany because like, we actually tell people who are under the age of 18 what the gospel is, right? Every church in America don't do that. So I think that's the, that's the first thing, is making sure that before people start deconstructing, we've given them the tools so that when they get, because they will get there. It's going to happen. And then, you know, continuing with the analogy, we used to have to do like a lot of steps and a lot of things when we, took you, when we went to go fix your screen or fix something in your phone to make sure that we were only impacting the part that was broken. Because there's all types of little delicate things in there that you can get messed up. So, so we have to we have to make sure that the church is a safe space for people to deconstruct. Because I promise you, if you tried to take your if you tried to take your phone apart, you'd be out like a thousand dollars, right? So, we have to be a safe space where people can do it the right way, where people can ask questions, where where they're not going to feel like they're going to get. In fact, we should be encouraging them to do it before they even come to us and ask the questions so that they know nobody's going to look at them funny when they have questions. Um, and we just got to be honest with people. Um, and, and one more thing I would, I, would, I would just add is when we answer people's questions, we've got to answer people's questions. That's right. Um, right. When someone asks a question about homosexuality, we can't say the Bible says it's a sin and think that we answered their question. We have to actually open the scriptures, walk them through how do you use the Bible to understand this issue? What is a biblical worldview on this particular issue? Because if you just give them a proof text, I guarantee you there's a million people on TikTok and Instagram waiting to show them why your proof text doesn't say what you said it says. Yeah, how can we help with it? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing is we don't act like this is really new and that we haven't also been there. And so I think we can't be afraid. Um, and I know that each person has to get to a particular level of comfort, but we cannot be afraid to share despite how people perceive you in this season of life, that you haven't always been there. 
We can't be afraid to share our histories, our struggles, our times when we also question God, when we also struggle with doctrine, when we also struggle with the faith, so that when people struggle, they don't feel like they're just wrong or somehow unique. They need to know that the pastor has had that experience, the women's ministry leader, every elder, all the people, like people go through this. And I think we also have to consider, and this is some of the stuff we're talking about doing even at Epiphany, we have to think about what are some of the fundamentals of the faith that are basic things that people need to be equipped with. Um, and we also have to teach them about spiritual warfare and that these questions are a part of how the enemy is trying to br bring doubt. How we have to teach people how suffering can begin to impact people's confidence in God and how we have a Christian worldview even around suffering. So I think it really requires us to think deeply about teaching. It requires us to figure out a way to increase opportunities for discipleship so people can be known and know. Um, I also think one of the, like to his point, we have environments where people can ask questions and it be okay. Getting ahead of it is saying it's gonna happen. And, and that's why urban apologetics is so powerful because we're not just saying it is gonna happen, but Hebrew Israelites are gonna happen. Um, African spiritualism is gonna happen. Islam is gonna happen. Feminism is gonna happen. Like all of these things are going to show up in your life, atheism. And when people go out into the world and they encounter people who seem very smart and intelligent, and th that is confusing. So we have to be able to give people the tools to answer questions, to expect challenge, and always say, you can come back. You're never gonna know everything, but you can always add to your faith. And Pastor, can I add just one thing? Um, I think we also have to recognize, as, as you've told us many times, people are being pastored by the internet, they're being pastored by Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. So we have to occupy those spaces because there's a narrative that's being set and we're not participating in that right now. So as a church, but also as individuals, we've got to show up and we've got to provide an alternative narrative to what's being provided in those spaces. I, I really want to encourage um, Christian creatives and, and content, content creators. Those of you all, you know, you, you know, build a YouTube channel. Build a YouTube channel. You're saying, well, you just talked about, look, listen, when you train in something, you develop in something, some of you all have some creative things that are dormant, and you can create some nice TikToks. I would love to see some of y'all go viral with truth. Um, I would love to see some men, some gospel men, go viral about whatever biblical issue. Um, the women, gospel women, going viral, um, talking about these things and, and engaging and using. I think if Jesus was here today, Jesus would have used, y'all understand, Jesus used every tool he could when he was on earth. He used donkeys. <laughs> he used analogies about crops because people understood agriculture. I mean, he used, I mean, if you understand how hard he worked to, he, I mean, he used spit and mud. Everybody put their foot back then in some spit and some mud. And he used it as a mechanism of healing. I believe if Jesus came today and this was when he came, he would be on TikTok. 
I don't. I just believe it. I believe he would have a YouTube channel, and it would somebody would be filming him healing, and you see a demon come out of somebody. You be getting saved through the thing. You push a like and fall on your knees. You know what I'm saying? I just believe he would. And so, I really, I really hope that Christians we would stop being scared and use use the influence instead of posting about other things. I'm not gonna beat you up about what you post about, but but at least have some redemptive things on your page. Um, quick question. This is the last thing. And we're done. How has the series been for you? And what are three things you'd say impacted you in the series? Series has been great for me. Um, I would say it's it's been um, it's been challenging because it's really forced me to think about how am I using the tools at my disposal to help people, um, people maybe who have been through some of the things that I've been through. Um, it's been it's been affirming that my, um, those experiences, I'm not crazy. Um, I'm not the only one who's going through things like that. Um, that I don't need to minimize things that maybe for me were traumatic that might not have been for other people. Um, and it's just been, it's been encouraging because I think um, we don't have to feel like the Bible doesn't have an answer for the frustrating things that we're seeing happen in our world today. I mean, I think some of the most power, powerful things for me and my family are the conversations we've been able to have with our children as they've listened to the series and been a part of the series. And, you know, even just asking them what are like the three things that really minister to them. Um, one said, just the idea that I'm able to ask questions. And it's okay for me to have questions of God. He wants to answer them. And that doesn't mean like I'm a bad Christian. So that was great to talk through with my daughter. Another one said one of the parts of the series that was very powerful for her was the fact that they got to witness a pastor rebuke other pastors who have not held up their end of the bargain and have hurt and harmed women and have scattered the, the flock, how much that meant to know that that's not right and that there was someone who had the boldness to speak out against that. So that meant a lot to us because we talked about that. And then the other one talked about, oh gosh, let me remember. So it was, and then the other one just mentioned how it was important to know that um, the, the church uh, hurt that was one of the things we talked about, that God has a remedy for it and that you don't get your doctrine, you don't get your worldview restored, you don't reconstruct outside of God and the scripture and that God invites you to do that here. You don't need a lot of extra biblical stuff that God has already spoken through his word and just the push to get back in the word. And I would say as a women's ministry leader, um, it's just challenged me to think about how can I do a better job of creating an environment where women particularly can wrestle with the questions of life and have a safe place and we be equipped to answer questions? Um, and then for my own family, I would just say it's been a blessing um, because it's caused me to do some introspection around what are some of the things about my own faith and knowledge base that I need to shore up. And one of the questions that I often challenge myself with, it's like the question I don't want to ask, but I know the Holy Spirit wants me to ask, is what is the one question you hope no one ever asks you about the faith because you don't know it? 
That's the thing you need to study. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close, let's thank God for our team up here, our media director, our discipleship and women's director. Um, also, I want you to know, as, as we unveil and we're working through next year, because one of the things I don't want us to do is go through a series and, and, and you can kind of say, man, that was a good series. But then, you know, there's no infrastructure put in place to kind of make sure, making sure that what we talked about becomes, I want like th what we talk about in this whole deconstruction thing to become a culture here. So I, I want it to be a culture of inquisitiveness, a culture of asking questions, but, a, but also a culture of edification, a culture of getting strengthened, a culture of getting clarity, a culture of peacemaking, right? A culture of how to stay when you're hurt, right? How to work through hurt or transition well, you know? So, uh, and, and, that, and that so many people would be shored up in their faith and that this would be a disciple-making church. It already is, but make it a better disciple-making church for the glory of God, amen? Amen, 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 amen. Well, let's go before the Lord. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the panel. Lord God, I'm praying for those who may have trusted Christ during this time. We've had several people trust Jesus. If they don't know, if there's someone out there that doesn't know Jesus, Lord God, um, I'm praying that they would put their confidence in you by faith in what Christ has done and his resurrection from the dead, <clears throat> that they would see things in light of you, Lord, and that they would know that your yoke is easy and your burden is light and you said so take your yoke upon them and learn of you because you're meek and lowly at heart. May people find rest for their souls, Lord God. Our souls are busy, but you give us rest from our, for, uh, from our own work, Lord God, and help them, people to know that today. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Let's transition to communion. Communion, communion is a time to celebrate the death of Jesus. If you, if you don't have um, the elements that you... Um, are qualified to take communion as a believer, um, hold your hand up and they'll give you the elements if you don't have it. Anyone in need it, just hold your hand up. We have some, uh, someone back here in the corner by the worship room uh, that's looking up in the corner right there. Thank you. And uh, anyone else? Oh, it's someone else over here. And anyone else? We got some people up in your left, my right side of the balcony, about uh, two or three there. Anyone else? They want to take that. We have someone in the back in front of the, in front of the uh, sound booth right here uh, that, that needs the elements. Thanking God for our, let's thank God for our hospitality team. Thank God for them. Amen. Thank y'all. All right. Everybody good? Oh, we have two more, two more over here. Um, any more, anyone else? Anyone else? God is good. Amen. Well, let's stand together as we take communion. <clears throat> stand together. Communion uh, is something we take every Sunday as a reminder of a doctrine we may even go through. Um, it's called union with Christ. Um, it's the doctrine of union with Christ. I was listening to one of my favorite scholars the other day, and um, it was interesting with him talking about baptism. Um, he was talking about how baptism is a form of spiritual warfare. And I was like, wow. He says, um, because when Jesus died on the cross and he went down, 
It said when he went down, he spoke to the spirits in prison. Who were those spirits in prison? The ones that were locked away. He wasn't preaching to people so that they, some, I know that in a song, gospel song, they saying he preached a revival and said, whoever wants to go with me, that's not what happened. That's, I promise you that's not what happened. People in hell didn't get a second chance. Um, he went down and spoke to the elemental principles down there who were stored away since Genesis 6 and told them their plan didn't work. <laughs> that what they were trying to do to stop God's glory through humanity, he said, I'm here now. And then after he said, I'm going, he said, and when next time I see y'all, I'm throwing y'all into the lake of fire. And then on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. And I love the part when it says, and he, he went on a cloud, and that's a sign of God, because God is the only one who rides on a cloud. And it, when he went up, it said he passed through the heavens. And as he passed through, the elemental spirits were, were turning off because they knew that God had victory. So every time we take communion, it's a form of spiritual warfare. It's a reminder that their time is over and our time has come in God. So as we take communion, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. After the Passover meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant that was shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Receive the Lord's benediction. Almighty Father, keep us steady. Keep us steady. I was reading, Lord God, in Psalm 119, how David was talking about his need to be kept steady. And that it's so easy to get off point in our commitment and walk with you, Lord God. And so, Lord God, we need the steady hand of God. You said, if people build on sand, they'll sink. But the one who builds on a rock, winds and waves will come and we'll be able to stand. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, be majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. I'm going to tell you something I haven't told you in a long time, and I want you to do it with grace. Instead of uh, hug somebody you didn't come with, give them a pound and put some sanitizer on your hand. God bless you. Take care. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.